Thank you, choir. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the 11th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, let me say, this ends up actually being a, a really good crowd for a holiday weekend for us. I don't know what it is about this area. I'm from Savannah and I uh, served in church for six years before going off to seminary. I've been here for quite a while now. And uh, it seems like every, every Memorial Day weekend, as I said earlier, ends up being so scattered. But man, this ends up being a great crowd and uh, really glad you're here to celebrate what God has done for us. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, on Lord's Supper days, uh, we kind of changed the format a little bit. I don't, I don't speak for as long as I typically do. And some of you would count that as a big win already right off the bat, uh, but usually about 10 or 15 minutes or so, and then we celebrate because the Lord's Supper really speaks for itself. It is a, by design, by God's design, it is a presentation of the message of the gospel. And so I'll just say up front, you know, my desire and our desire as a church is for any of you who don't have a relationship with Christ is that today already you've heard the gospel. And as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, that you see it. And as we look in scripture, that you see the gospel as well. And that, uh, that you make that decision that many of us have made. Uh, and that is to turn from our sin and to give our lives to Christ. That is the heart of the message of this ministry is the message of the gospel. And then for those of us that have made that decision, you know, is that the desire is that we walk closer with God. This, this world has enough conflicting messages as it is, doesn't it? Uh, and, and certainly enough conflicting messages about God. But uh, our desire is that we live lives that aren't conflicted, that they are supportive of the message we proclaim. And so the Lord's Supper enables us to really take inventory of our lives and to be able to walk in a way that gives God, gives God honor. And so I just want to look at a few passages of Scripture this morning uh, as we prepare for the Lord's Supper. Well, just a, a month or so ago, um, we sent our first team ever to Cuba as a mission team. You've kind of already heard a lot of those stories, and we just celebrated that last Sunday and took a look at some of the things and heard some of the stories of what God did there in that country. But but before we, we made that trip, you know, there was a lot of preparation. There's a lot of training that went in. I led, I think, all 10 of the training sessions we did for that team, and we talked about preparing our testimonies and how to share the gospel, and uh, we did devotions and just a lot of the logistics of training and preparing to travel out of country, and, and especially there on site in Cuba, and it was just really, really beneficial to go through that time of training. But one of the things that I emphasized, starting with the very second week, was the need for immunizations, and, and, and that was kind of one of the logistical things that we covered, you know, that if you want to be immunized, if you want to get shots, then we gave them a little sheet of paper that talked about what was recommended for Cuba. You know, some countries you travel to, a lot of you know, there are required immunizations. Other countries, there are some that are recommended. And so I just kind of explained, hey, it's totally up to you. You know, whatever immunizations you want to get, you, you do that. Uh, but that is your call. But I said, the second week, <laughs> I emphasize, the second week into the training, I said, but if you decide to go through the immunizations, you need to do them quickly. You need to do them early because for many of those, they need time to, to really kind of get into your body and tie on all the medical aspect of it, but you just got to do them early so that you'll be protected and covered by the time you make your trip. And I emphasize that and I stress that. And so the day before the trip to Cuba, it dawned on me that I had not had my tetanus shot in quite some time. And, uh, and so as the leader of the trip, I was that guy, right, who didn't follow my own instructions. And so the day before we leave, I'm like running around town. I'm calling the health department, asking the question of, uh, when was my last tetanus shot? And they said 2005. And I uh, said, that's not good. And so the day before we left, I'm the guy sitting in the chair, getting a tetanus shot in my arm, thinking all the worst, that I'm going to be that one in a thousand who has the reactions, right? And you've read those reactions when you get those kind of shots. Only one in a thousand 
And then they tell all the various ways that you're going to die, basically, grueling deaths. And so I had all these things running through my mind because I knew, you know, when I get to Cuba, I'm going to be that guy that steps on the rusty nail. We're doing construction. I'm going to be the guy that gets poked with a rusty wire, gets bit by the rusty dog or whatever it is that's going to happen, right? All these things, they're going to happen to me. And so now I get my shot the day before we leave and all this stuff's running through my mind of how I'm going to be that one guy in a thousand. They're going to tell stories about it. All the health departments around our country, you know, who had this horrible reaction to the tetanus shot. Now, the good thing is, is I don't have more of a story to tell, right? That, that nothing bad happened. However, as I kind of thought that through later, you know, I, I began to think, you know, the, the day just sort of snuck up on me. You know, I, I, was, I, I knew I needed a tetanus shot. I mean, I kind of had a pretty sneaky suspicion that it had been a while. And, uh, but, but in a way, that the day just sort of snuck up on me. And that happens to all of us, doesn't it? I mean, things sneak up. You know, you, you plan to pay the bill, you know, the credit card bill or the, the, you know, the cell phone bill or whatever it is. You plan to pay it. I mean, you know it's there, but the due date just kind of snuck up on you and you didn't get it in on time. I mean, that happens to everybody. You know, you, you had a meeting. You knew you were meeting somebody across town for lunch. And before you know it, it's, you know, 11.58 and you're 10 miles away and you've got lunch in two minutes, you know, to get there. And it just, time just sort of snuck up on you. And that happens a lot of times, doesn't it? Or is it just me? <laughs> but really kind of what clicked for me this week was, as I thought this through, is that those things never really sneak up on us at all. They don't sneak up at all. In, in fact, what really happens is we just kind of we let it happen. To be honest, I was having some lab work done in advance of this Cuba trip, like a couple of weeks or more before, just an annual physical. And I was sitting in the, in the chair having lab work done, right? You know, they're drawing blood and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I remember asking the nurse, the lab tech that day, I said, oh, by the way, do you all do tetanus shots here in the office? And she said, yeah. And I thought, great, I'm going to do that sometime. <laughs> and I, technically I did the day before the trip, but it didn't sneak up on me. It was a decision I made. You know, maybe for you, there are some things that you've thought have snuck up on you lately. Maybe it has nothing to do with bills. Maybe it has nothing to do with due dates or lunch meetings. Maybe for you, the last time you kind of snapped at your kids or got in that argument with your spouse, you thought, you know, I don't know what, but it seems like just kind of an angry attitude has sort of snuck up on me lately. Those things don't sneak up. They happen as a result of a series of decisions that we make. Maybe for you, there's a sin in your life that you just kind of thought recently, wow, where did that come from? I wasn't even wrestling with this a year ago in my Christian walk, and now it seems as though I've just embraced this sin, whether it's an attitude or an action or a lifestyle or whatever it may be. It's just kind of snuck up on me out of the blue, and, and now, now I'm nowhere near where I used to be. Now, those things don't sneak up. Sin doesn't sneak up on us. Sin comes whenever we, as a series of our choices, allow them to allow those sins to take place, and they become strongholds in our lives, ultimately, that can wreak havoc if we don't deal with it. See, things don't sneak up on us nearly as much as we'd like to think they do. They come upon us as a series of our own choices. And whenever we come to a time like this where we celebrate the Lord's Supper, what this does is, is it really provides for us kind of a stopgap. It provides for us a, a checkpoint where we as Christians, 
can take inventory of our lives because there are times as a series of choices, we allow things into our lives that don't belong. And sometimes those things don't bring honor to God. And honestly, if they don't honor God, they're not honoring anybody else and they're costing us as well, whether we realize it or not. And so whenever we come to the Lord's Supper, it's really, it's a beautiful thing because God has designed into the life of the local church. He's designed a time like this to where we look back to what Christ has done for us. And we, we acknowledge the, the immense cost that Jesus paid for us to even have a relationship with with God to begin with. That he wasn't one who signed a piece of paper and said, there, your sins are paid. No, he came and he, he had to die because sin is that ugly in the sight of a God who is holy. He had to die to pay for that sin. And what the Lord's Supper is, is, is that it's an opportunity for us to remember what it costs for us to have a relationship with God in the first place. And if you've never given your life to Jesus... It is, a, it is a beautiful reflection of the price tag that he paid for you to have the opportunity to be in a relationship with God that will never end and to have heaven waiting for you whenever your time on this earth is done. And so the Lord's Supper is that checkpoint to remember what Christ has done for us. But it's also an opportunity for us to look inside of ourselves. And as we look inside of ourselves, this is the hard part, we take inventory of our lives. And God helps us with this, as we'll see in just a second. God calls us to examine our lives. In fact, the classic chapter in Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 helps us to see what the Lord's Supper looks like on an individual level, on a, church, on a church-wide level. And notice what it says here in verse 28 in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul is writing to a local church, the church in Corinth, and he says that a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is then to eat of the bread and to drink of the cup. In other words, before we take of the Lord's Supper, there is a biblical admonition, there's a biblical command, an instruction there that tells us to examine ourselves. And that Greek word for examine means to put oneself on trial. That's the strength of that word, that we put ourselves on trial. We don't let another person judge us. Yeah, right? We, we, we judge ourselves. We judge ourselves rightly. In fact, we even ask God to help us with this. We ask him to show us those areas of our lives that don't match up with the perfection of Christ. Now, understand we're all in process. None of us are going to be perfect until we get to heaven in our actions. I understand that. However, it doesn't mean that we just give up, right? It doesn't mean that we just say, oh, I'll always be this way. No, we should strive more and more and more every day to be yielded to the Holy Spirit for God to mold us and shape us into the image of Christ. And so the Lord's Supper is a place for us to examine our lives, to examine the motives of our lives, to examine our attitudes, to examine our hearts, to examine the words we speak, the lives that we live, the behaviors that we carry out on a daily basis, to examine those things. In fact, David, King David in the Old Testament understood that God was a part of that process. Look at what he says in Psalm chapter 139, verse 23 and verse 24. This is King David who was no perfect person, but he was known for his heart for God. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. That is a prayer he would pray. Search me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Now I have a suspicion about King David, that he probably prayed that prayer more than just the one time when it was recorded in the book of Psalms. This was probably a daily prayer that King David prayed every single day. God, would you search my heart? Would you try my heart? Would you test my thoughts? Would you, would you deal with whatever is in me, God? Would you bring it to light? Would you drag it out of the corner and bring it out and expose it so that I can respond by turning from it and following you? That was probably a prayer David prayed every single, every single day of his life. And the reason that it's so important to pray that is because all of us, every single one of us in this building are prone to wander. Every one of us. 
None of us have nailed down the Christian life perfectly, starting with the guy who speaks up here every Sunday. None of us have it, have it all nailed down and buttoned up to where we can say, you know what, I, I figured out the Christian life and I live it perfectly every day. Not a one of us. All of us have, have the tendency not to let stuff sneak up on us, but to open the door and let it in, things that don't belong in our lives. And it's the Lord's Supper that God has implemented as an opportunity for us to just pause and check ourselves and to see and to examine, to put ourselves on trial and to even ask God to help in the process, to show us sin that has come in unchecked, that we've begun to embrace, that we've not only allowed, but we've begun to to consistently practice in our lives, that God would show that to us, that he would reveal it so that we can say, God, would you forgive me and wipe this heart clean again? that I might walk closely with you. See, there's a beautiful, beautiful passage of Scripture. We don't have it on the overhead, but it's in 1 John 1, 9, where God makes not only an invitation, but a promise to us. And he says that if we confess our sins, meaning for the Christian, if we agree with him about the sin in our lives, individual specific sin, that if we confess our sin to him and agree with him over it, if we confess it, that he will ultimately, he'll do something in response. He will... Ultimately, forgive it and cleanse us, the Bible says, of all unrighteousness. The reason he does that is because he is a God who's faithful. And he's a God who's just. Our sin is already paid for on the cross. But when we give our lives to Jesus, and when we open that door and still allow sin to come into our lives, the issue is no longer relationship. That relationship is secure. The issue is fellowship. And I'll tell you, if we allow sin to take root in our lives for long, without keeping a short list and confessing it and forsaking it and moving on, it will bring absolute destruction in our walks with God. It won't steal our salvation, but it will rob our testimony and lead others astray. And we have to deal with the sin of our lives. The Lord's Supper is a great example of that. God calls us through the celebration of the Lord's Supper to do this together as believers. He invites us as a local church to come together to the Lord's Supper table and to examine ourselves, to be responsive to where he leads us. And so this morning, in just a moment, as I pray, I'll ask the deacons that are helping to serve this morning to come forward, and we'll take this time together, and I'll explain a little more as well. But my desire for you is that if you've never given your life to Jesus this morning, that right where you sit today, you make the one decision that will last forever in your life. And that is to invite Christ to come in and to forgive you and to do what he did at Calvary, to take it and apply it to your life and to forgive you of all your sin and to be your Savior and Lord. You can do that right where you sit this morning. And if you've already done that, man, my desire, my prayer for you is that you would allow God to search your heart and whatever he puts a finger on, maybe there's, a, maybe there's a, something out of place in regards to a relationship in your life, or something that you've allowed, as I've said, to take root, that where God exposes it to you, that you'd be quick to confess it and forsake it and move forward. So let's pray this morning and ask God to bless this time of the Lord's Supper. God, we thank you this morning that we can take a moment to pause. And Lord, as we do that, we reflect back on what you've done for us. But we also take a look to the inside as well. And Lord, there's not a one of us here that is without sin. All of us have committed sins in our lives. Even as believers, we fall short of what you desire for us. God, we thank you that through Christ and through a relationship with him, that sin is forgiven and it's not held against us, that it is wiped clean, that your word tells us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
But Lord, at the same time, we have to realize that when we allow sin to linger in our lives, that it does damage our fellowship. Our hearts grow cold. And Lord, we don't desire to engage in worship. We don't desire to engage in serving you and serving others and putting you on display. And so, Lord, I pray today as we come together, knowing that this could be a monumental day for some, where they come clean with you, where they desire to, to decide to follow you with all of their hearts and lives. We pray that you'd bless this time as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Use it for good in our lives. And God, may you get glory as we celebrate and reflect upon what you've done for us and what you're doing within us. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.